0: Okay, people, I just thought I would do a, um, I had a little extra time this morning and I, um, thought I would do a little bonus episode, um, watched a few things and I just wanted to talk about them and maybe a few other things to talk about, uh, I was just thought, you know, uh, like a moron. Uh, that I am, uh, you know, oh, what I'll do is I'll I'll uh, do a little preparation for the show and, uh, you know, get on, uh, like, IMDb and Wikipedia and stuff and read about, uh, you know, a few of these movies and so I'll have some information. Well, I started... Um The first movie I'm going to talk about is the 1990 movie, Navy Seals. And if you go on IMDb and look at the trivia for Navy Seals, Jesus Christ, it's like (laughs) this must be the most intricate, interesting movie ever made. Because holy shit, there is so much stuff on there. And um, you know what I think a lot of it is, just from reading just a little bit of it at, at, at first, is when a movie like this is made, Um, people get on there and I, am pretty much, I, you know, assuming that a lot of the trivia stuff is almost like Wikipedia where people add their own trivia to the movies, um, on, you know, each movie on there. And, um, I think what it is with some of these movies that are like military based, like based in reality, military movies, um, a lot of people are really into that. And they'll get on there and they put just so much information about like training and, you know, what kind of uh, weapons, what kind of tactics um, you know, just all kinds of information like that. And, you know, I guess some of it's, you know, kind of interesting. But I, like I said, I'm just, you know, this is silver and gold. And I'm just jumping on here yeah, on a fucking whim. Uh, and I was like, okay, I don't give a shit. I watch the fucking movies. I'll just talk about them. And, uh, you know, if I happen to see something on there that's interesting, I'll I'll throw it in. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and read a goddamn novel about each fucking movie so that I can come up with these great facts that no one would ever think of oh nobody nobody would ever think of something like that Ooh, and you and you know that I'm just reading the shit off anyway so what what the fuck's the point I mean I've actually heard you know uh, I remember in the good old days when um, uh, podcasting when um, uh, you know I first started listening and 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 listened to like back on like itunes where people would say you know oh yeah these fuckers think they're so goddamn great but all they do is get on there and fucking uh read fucking wikipedia and uh or uh you know what's on imdb but you know like i said you're not gonna get that too much on here because um, i don't give a shit and i'm fucking probably lazy and i don't know i think it's uh i don't care <laughs> so anyway i i don't know until the day before the test and I would just cram the fucking shit and, uh, and no matter what I, even with podcasting when Loaf and I uh, you know w- were on here um, it always seemed like and I think he was the same way it's like you know hey did you watch the movies yet no I didn't watch them did you watch them no I didn't watch them I watched some of them but I didn't watch all of them and uh, oh fuck I don't know well let's just muddle through it you know um, and you know we're kind of more of a wing it kind of a thing you know it's worked out it's worked out pretty good in my life to wing it. (laughs) But anyway, I was sitting there and I just thought to myself, you know, I'm just going to fucking, I watch so much shit on YouTube and everything, which maybe I'll talk about some of that stuff too here in just a little bit. But I started, I got that Roku and I've got all these, um, you know, apps on there for different streaming services that are free. Or, you know, there's a few of them that I pay for. That was half fake, but half, wait a minute. (coughs) I just ate some um, uh, chicken-flavored, some kind of uh, like ramen noodle with uh, sriracha in it. And what I do is um, uh, when I'm eating that, uh, you know, it's not really that great for you because of like, it has a lot of sodium in it, but I imagine that most you know, most of the sodium is going to be in the, uh, the little powder thing that you put in there that has all the seasoning. So I just mostly sit there and I'll just chomp down the noodles. And, um, then, uh, Mary gets the, um, Mary gets the broth, uh, which I, um, I tell her that I'm making her soup. And then after I get done eating all the noodles out of it, I uh, uh, take my deep fryer, the pan in my deep fryer, and uh, I pour the I pour her soup, her portion into that, and she loves it. Oh my God, she loves it. But she came in after she was um done lapping it up and she came in and like her eye was like watering and uh, i was petting her and and she even started to turn away i said you better go in there and get something to drink because like i said that has like sriracha in it so it's a little bit hot and i'll be damned she didn't fucking turn right around and go in the kitchen and uh and start drinking a bunch of water maybe just cool her lips off a little bit uh we went for a walk this morning and it was uneventful um just here, here she, she's coming in. She's panting. What are you doing? What's going on, pooch? Hmm? What are you doing? Did you have a good walk today? You like to go walking? We went walking and I picked up so many. I, I probably said this in the last podcast, but a lot of times, you know, I'll uh, take a trash bag with me and, um, you know, cause there's some scumbags around here that just fucking litter like crazy. Uh, I don't know if it's out of their car or they're walking at night and drinking beer or something. And they just, full of them after uh, the snow melted off and all this, you know, cause I, and it rains so much that the, that the uh, ditch uh, there's a ditch that runs along the road and they'll throw them in there. Well, if it's, if it's rained a lot, I can't get to them because it's real uh, uh, like soggy, soppy uh, mud and you know, God you would step down in there and you'd probably go up to your knees in fucking mud. So it dried out and I thought, you know, I'm going to take, I have this big walking stick and I took it with me and um, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take that with me and it'll help me snag some of those, you know, cans because it just looked horrible. I mean, they were everywhere and I picked those fuckers up and um, probably two days later, I just walked down through there uh, this morning and um, somebody just fucking threw out a whole bunch of fucking beer cans. Um, In a couple different places, and I didn't have, I didn't take any kind of trash bags or anything with me. So I just kind of stomped on them and smashed them down and then picked them up. And uh, the thing that really pisses me off is some of uh, this guy had, um, uh, cleared out all these trees, uh, down by the river on the other side of the road. And, um, so made it nice. And he put some, um, like grilling places down there with actual, like, you know, have the, you'd have to use charcoal and stuff, but uh, like, uh, he made like out of, uh, uh, cinder blocks, uh, these grilling places. And he's got like, um, those and he put like two porta potties down there. And, um, but you know that's the thing—they don't like go down there and party or anything. It's all right along the road, so I don't know if they're throwing them out the window or, or what. Um, but there's he's there's trash cans there. There's like three trash cans staggered down through there good ways. It's a big long straight stretch, and those fuckers won't throw those fucking cans and stuff in the trash cans. They'll just th- they'll throw them out there, you know, just litter. So anyway, I picked up some, uh, several of those. I, I, I was counting, and I it, you know I don't know if they had like a 12-pack of fucking. Uh, you know, I don't know why if there's somebody that's. You know, obviously they're just doing it on purpose, and maybe they just don't give a shit, but it just seems like in that. One area. Well, it's not just that one area because I uh, when I'm driving over to Walmart, it's like a backcountry road kind of a deal, and um, um, there's this one place where I mean, for like a mile down through there, the whole side of the road is just covered with fucking beer cans and pop bottles and pop cans and stuff like that. Um, and down through there, it's, it it would be almost impossible to uh, get out and pick that shit up unless you had like somebody like a flag man or something out there because um, that, you know, down through there is like 45 miles an hour and there's really nowhere to stand off the side of the road where you would be safe. So, you know, it just pisses, I mean, fuck, that just pisses me off. I hate that shit, you know, either being that lazy or being that big of just a jerk. Um, But anyway... I watched Navy SEALs, and let's see what the synopsis says about this. You know, I watched this a long time ago, and I fucking—I didn't like it. I thought it was stupid— and um, I think it was when it first came out because I was like, oh, this is pretty cool because it has a really nice cast. And like I said, it was it came out in 1990 and I think I watched it when it, uh, I don't think I went to the theater to see it. I think I watched it on VHS and uh, I thought, man, this sucks. They're just trying to kind of be like um, Top Gun, but they're doing like Navy SEALs. And, um, you know, uh, I always, you know, like, fucking good action, special forces kind of movies and stuff. And I had read like um, Richard Marcinko's uh, book, uh, Rogue Warrior, uh, after I saw him on 60 Minutes. Um, Richard Marcinko was, you know, like SEAL team, I think six. uh, And um, when he was in the Navy and he tried out for the SEALs, it's like when it first started, well, I don't know if it was first started up, they had been... But it hadn't been around for a long time. You know, Starting like, the Vietnam War, um, I believe. And um, because that movie, uh, oh, uh, Without Remorse, is coming out, which is based on the Tom Clancy uh, novel, which I read. Uh, it's got Michael B. Jordan is playing uh, Clark in it. And that's the same character that Willem Dafoe and Lieb Shriver played. Um but in that book, uh, Clark—it it was he. Clark is just a you know a fake name. I can't remember what his real name was, but he was like a Navy SEAL and he was in Vietnam. And I think in the movie with Michael B. Jordan, they're updating it, and he's going to be in either Iraq or Afghanistan or somewhere in the Middle East. But I just remember in one part of that book, um, there was a scene where he had to go up this river you know, it's, it almost, I can't remember the exact thing. Cause I mean, I read it so long ago, but I just remember this one, uh, you know, thing in the book where they had one of those underwater things that like a scuba diver hangs onto that has like a little propeller on it and it, you know, pulls them through the water. Um, and, um, he, I don't know if it had some kind of a, some kind of a gps thing on it or what i can't remember but he, it was like the mekong delta and he was going up river to nighttime. time and you know in a a river you know it's not like the caribbean where the water is so fucking clear and it was almost like sensory deprivation for him because at night when he was doing that he had scuba gear on of course because you know that's why he's underwater you know or you know underwater the whole time but the water was so murky and dark anyway but then um, because it was nighttime, he couldn't see anything, you know, uh, uh, they didn't, he did, I guess, you know, they probably didn't want to have a light on the thing, uh, which wouldn't have probably helped him too much anyway. Cause the water was, you know, dirty and murky. But, um, it, like I said, I just remember him saying it was almost like sensory deprivation where he was almost like falling asleep or he did fall asleep and the thing was just pulling him through the water. And he had to fight and try to occupy his mind so he wouldn't fall asleep. But anyway, that's kind of cool. But so that's a Navy SEAL thing. Like I said, that was a that was a um, you know Vietnam War thing. And I remember hearing Jim Janos and his brother, which was Jesse the Body Ventura. um, He was a uh, underwater demolitions team UDT uh, op him and his brother both and we're in the the teams and you know people would say well that's bullshit jesse ventura wasn't in the seals he was udt which is underwater demolitions team teams but the thing is and that's what he said and even the guys in the seal said yes jesse was a seal and his brother was a seal because uh you go through the same training and then it's it it's not a question of um who's Better or worse, or one's be- one's better or, or worse. Uh, once they got to a certain point of the training, or they uh, finished the the, the base, you know if it's the basic training or whatever, they split them up, and half of them would go to UDT, which is underwater demolitions teams which existed even as far back as World War 2. I mean that's the what they would call the frogmen and um they just split them up and one goes to the UDT and the other one goes to the seals but they're they consider if you go to Navy SEAL like reunions or anything like that or talk to anybody that's a Navy SEAL the UDT guys are considered Navy SEALs too. Um so anyway, those guys were in Vietnam too, Jesse Ventura and his brother. Um, uh, Jim Janos is Jesse, and I can't remember what his brother's name is. But anyway, um, so I had an interest in that. Um, the um, sixty Minutes piece on Richard Marcinko was that that, um, and this was really cool. This is this might have been one of the first times I had heard of seals. I'm not sure because I know like uh, the Abyss with uh, that had Michael Bean in it. Uh, you know, and ed harris um that michael bean and his guys were navy seals and they came there to the underwater uh platform that ed harris's like oil rig workers or whatever they were were working on and um i i thought that was a really cool character michael bean's character was really cool in that he was like you know kind of fucking started going a little crazy anyway um they had a um Marcinko, I think, was the head of SEAL Team Six. He might have even been the one that started him. I can't remember, but he was. His nickname was uh, the Geek or Geek because he was so gung ho about like his training and being in the Navy even before he was in SEALs. He he was so gung ho that they said he would polish the the bottoms of his fucking shoes, uh, you know, because he wanted everything to be you know perfect. But he was, but he's was kind of a, as far as, you know, the guys that did the training, all their training. You can't do this or you can't do that. He's like, well, wait a minute now, even in training. there are no rules. If it's Al-Qaeda, if it's the Viet Cong, if it's, uh, you know, some guys down in uh, El Salvador or, you know, the jungles of Nicaragua or somewhere, uh, they're not going to follow fucking any rules. So we're not going to follow any, you know, we're, we're going to do what we have to do to get the job done, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, they started a uh, group called Red Cell, and um, Red Cell was the, uh, the military decided, okay, if we want to protect uh, our assets th- around the world, including in the United States, uh, from terrorists or, you know, somebody trying to blow the place up or infiltrate or trying to get information and everything, uh, we need to know what to expect. So we're going to take uh, this guy, Richard Marcinko, who was the head of the, like SEAL Team 6. And we're going to let him pick his own men, uh, whoever you know he wants to pick. And they're going to be a small elite group. And I, I can't remember if there was like six of them or you know uh, however many, but um, they're going to be able to do whatever they want, however they want, off uh, off the books, off the grid kind of a thing, and um, test our our um, uh, our defenses so he not only took it to you know the levels that they expected but he went beyond those levels and he went to such an extent that like him and his guys would just wear regular clothes and they would let their fucking hair grow out and beards and everything and look like bikers and whatever you know just not look anything like military guys and uh they would go to these bars that um, they knew that like uh, they would go to the area say where say where the um, uh, where a base is in the United States or wherever, and they would go to these bars and find the bars that the guys on the base, just the basic uh, you know soldiers or Marines or uh, you know. Uh, sailors or whatever would go and hang out and get drunk and party and everything and so they would go to these places and when they would find out where the guys went they would you know like maybe hire a hooker to to fucking get with the guy and you know do something and then they would sneak in and steal the guy's credentials or they would uh you know when they knew the guy was in the fucking bar they might like uh pickpocket the guy and steal his wallet or steal his keys and go out to his car and get his credentials out of there get you know different things like that and um uh, get the um the um, you know uh, pass cards and everything to get on the base and everything and then they would go and make their own you know find out what this looks like and and make counterfeit ones and everything else and then they would go to the bases and they would you know walk go you know, along the perimeter of the of the fences and things like that and try and find you know ways to get in try and find ways to get in more conventional ways like I said just you know pulling up to the gate and showing them their, you know your pass or whatever uh, and this was probably probably before they had the things where they actually scan and it comes up on a computer because this took place. Uh, I think the, I think the 60 minutes thing had to be back in the, maybe like the eighties or something. But anyway, so they, um, basically what happened there was they ended up ruffling, uh, some when, when the military or whatever tells you, you know, test our defenses and everything. Um, he did that uh, and he didn't tell anybody what he was doing and they did it in such a way that they would actually, you know, go and, and buy, say, buy weapons uh, with money that they fucking, I don't know if they stole it or what they did, but like, you know, they got their own weapons, they got their own this and that and everything. And and they ended up like getting on a, I think, uh, I think they Oh, I'm off the top of my head, I think that the one place they went to, they um, Air Force One was sitting on a on like a, the tar, a tar the tarmac or whatever and being repaired uh, you know, um, I don't know if they have more than one plane or whatever, but it was sitting there and, uh, you know, it wasn't like anybody was getting on it. It was being worked on by this base. And I, and uh, if I remember correctly, they took like a, there was like a pallet of, uh, these bombs that they hooked to the bottom of like jet airplanes, you know, that go into combat and they took a, a, a forklift and, went over and drove it and and put it like right beside fucking Air Force 1 and like I said there wasn't anybody there uh, it was just like it would be like if you had a car at the mechanic place and the mechanic it was after hours you know and they put they they put put this uh, and then they would take pictures and say look you know we did this we you know put this over here we could have blown the whole fucking thing up blah 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 and then there was another one I I'm trying to think if that was one there was one where they got on a fucking submarine or if they actually they got like really close to it, or they actually got on a submarine that was just sitting like again, it was another one that it wasn't being uh, used, and it wasn't uh, there was you know there were guards at the base, but say there were just guards walking a giant perimeter, and they actually got uh, close enough to these nuclear this nuclear sub. Uh, I don't know if they I don't think they got on it. They may have, but I, I can't remember. And then there was a. Um, uh, they would test uh, the uh, security for these like uh, nuclear power plants and stuff. Well, when they did this, and then they showed all the shit that they did and how easy it was for them to do all this stuff, which the military should have took that information and said, "Oh my God, let's we which they probably I'm sure they did. They 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 looked at the, the, what happened and they said, you know, we need to shore up this, we need to shore up that, you know, da da da. But it made it made some people look really bad like some generals and colonels and things like that so shit rolled downhill and rolled on top of their uh, red cell uh it rolled downhill and rolled on top of their fucking heads and i think some of those guys actually went to fucking prison uh because when they when they um fucked with uh these bases and the security and like i said higher ups that are you know uh that when when the shit came down on top of them uh they weren't you know like a general or a colonel or whoever's supposed to be you know operating this base or these bases um yeah, they're, they got a ton of flack because they said, how can you do this? You know, these fuckers, you know, this is national security. It's a nuclear submarine. It's Air Force One. You motherfucker. Blah, blah. Say even the president might have said something or somebody who's politicians or, or uh, generals or whatever. And they go off on those guys. Well, then... If you do that and make somebody look bad, then you're going to become a target. And I think basically what happened was they became a target and uh, for, like, all this oversight. And they found uh, – it was, like, misappropriation of funds and, like I said, you know, getting money and using it uh, for different – and there were, there were other things. And, and, and I just read this stuff in Marcinko's book, and, like I said, on uh, 60 Minutes, which is maybe, like, a 15-20-minute piece – so you're only getting maybe like one side of it. So there was probably more to it than, you know, what what he said. Uh, uh, but uh, I think that he went to he ended up going to prison for it wasn't a long period of time. But, you know, going is enough and uh, and uh, which then you're going to get a, a, you know, discharged from the service and everything. But then he got out and he wrote like a bunch of books. Rogue Warrior was the first one, which was his, you know, uh, uh, basically a book about him, uh, you know, his biography and everything. And then he started writing fictional, fictionalized uh, uh, books um, about, you know, there was like, a, I, th- I don't know if they were all called like Rogue Warrior books or Red Cell and different things like that. He wrote these different fictional books about They were almost like... A, tom clancy novels uh which some of them you know i read a, f- a couple of them and they were pretty good but i i was more interested in the uh, uh his book and, and i've read a couple of there was another guy harry uh god what the fuck was his name i got the book in there and sitting in the other room right now uh it was a guy that he was friends with who also went on to uh be uh, a technical advisor in a bunch of. Um, Uh, and movies, and on TV, and stuff like that, and I think he, he was also one of these guys that, like, he showed up in, in a few different movies, um, I can't remember what his name was, though, I got my dad the book, because, you know, I'm sure it's still this way, I, I just, you know, just, Hardly go to bookstores that much anymore. But, you know, you used to go to bookstores, and I would always go to – I liked, you know, going to, you know, the biography section, but then also, like, uh, true crimes, whether it was mafia stuff or serial killer and things like that. Uh, And then there was a lot of uh, history books, uh, especially, like, uh, you know, books about, you know, Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Delta Force, or different wars, like, you know, I I think I have a book uh, about the – korean war because uh, my dad was in korea about the chosen reservoir which they talked about in um, the christopher walken movie uh prophecy uh, the the one i think it was a general or something like that that um uh, uh kind of possessed that little girl and and she would be ta- talking like a little girl and the next thing you know she'd be talking about you know we piled the we piled the frozen bodies up you know t- and they like used them as um Uh, You know uh, uh, protection like almost like sandbags and everything and they couldn't bury the bodies because the ground was too hard and the bodies were frozen solid and all this stuff which there are some good documentaries about chosen reservoir on um, YouTube that are really interesting because that's the one that I watched. Uh, Where the guys were just talking about, like, almost freezing to death. And the uh, Chinese soldiers, when they would capture them, they they showed them and they were giving them, like, uh, those little tin cups that they would have in their mess kit with, uh, you know, either hot water or hot soup in them. And these guys' hands, uh, their fingers were frozen like blocks of ice, and so were their feet uh they would only have on like um it would almost be like chuck taylor canvas tennis shoes the chinese and then they had these down um coats and pants uh that were but they weren't waterproof and or anything like that and our guys you know were were freezing too but you know they would have like say rubber boots and parkas and things like that raincoats and stuff like that and uh you know whatever but these, Chinese, these poor Chinese guys, you know, I say poor Chinese, they were the enemy and everything, but still, you know, they're human beings. And that's one thing that struck me about uh, seeing something about that is um, when they would meet, uh, you know, uh, say they captured uh, some of the Chinese or later on after the war was over, you know, say like, a, you know, 20, 30, 40 years later or whatever, and they would meet some of these guys, they said that they... Uh, had so much respect for each other uh, because only they, both sides could know what it was like to go through that and the 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 freezing and he said you know these guys were the enemy but they didn't want to be there any more than we wanted to be there and you know they're frozen and and i guess you know just showing them some you know compassion uh and treating them like human beings And, and these poor guys i mean they have like no fingers no hands no feet Uh, no toes or whatever and some of them it's almost like if you watch a mountain climbing uh, uh, movie about Everest where guys would go up there and get frostbite and you know you'll see them sitting around talking and sharing old war stories and some of them like the end of their nose will be missing or they'll have you know four or five fingers missing or or you know the one uh, there was a guy that had both of his legs amputated uh, below the knee uh, because he got frostbite so bad in his legs trying to climb Mount Everest, and then later on when he was older and he was like in his fifties or you know say maybe like early sixties, he had prosthetic legs and he went and climbed the fucker successfully again. Um, So you know anyway, got off on a tangent there about all that stuff, but so a, a lot of that stuff's interesting and you know. Uh, you see all this and, and that's why I'm mean, sure there's so many movies about special ops black ops Navy SEALs Delta Force and especially you know once you got to a certain point you start seeing those things, like chuck norris and delta force you know i think there was a couple of those missing in action which was like you know three or four of those i'm trying to think what about you know rambo you know the different rambo movies and he was a, uh, I i think he was a green beret and special forces and uh you know there's just so many of them there was one um not that long ago the great raid um of course, saying Black Hawk Down and things like that. Uh, uh, as I was saying, I think on the last episode when I was talking about that, those videos that I was watching on YouTube about the, you know, the, the 10, you know, thing uh, people that showed so much valor. Uh, and they talked about these guys that got like Medal of Honor or the Victoria Cross or, you know, even in German, you know, the one guy was, uh, I think, from Finland and he fought on the side of the nazis against the russians and then ended up going and fighting um i think in vietnam for the americans uh he came to america and he changed his name and everything and he had had so much training and experience as like uh one of these guys that goes behind the behind the lines almost like a commando or something like that and so i mean it's really interesting and you know it's it makes for good uh uh, i i wonder um how if if we haven't almost had such a glut of that kind of a thing that these some of these movies might go the way of how the westerns went um, you know, Westerns were so big. I just was just posted a, uh, uh, a gif of, uh, Haas Cartwright on my Facebook page because, you know, Westerns were so big at one time, say from the first time, you know, movies started, which like the movie, um, the great train robbery, which was, which was like one of the first, um, uh silent films and then you go all the way through uh you know the the 40s the 50s with you know Randolph Scott and uh well even before that with like Tom Mix and um oh um let me th- I'm trying to think what that other guy uh uh well anyway but like you know like I said like those those uh you know Tom Mix and uh Then into like Randolph Scott, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, and then, uh, you know, uh, the Sergio Leone. And it it was the Westerns were so big, they went all the way over to Italy, and they started making spaghetti Westerns. And, and like I said, you know, a a lot of the, the samurai movies are basically along the lines of Westerns, you know, or vice versa. With the Magnificent Seven and everything, uh, it's a different culture. But it's guys that are you know either ex-military or good with a gun, good with a sword, uh, good uh, if you watch some of the um, Shaw Brothers, uh, you know, kung fu movies where the lone guy comes in. They might they they might have sword play or or uh, bows and uh, you know uh, bow and arrow, swords, spears, or even just martial arts. And um, but like I said. Uh, it, I wonder if some of this um, some of the special forces stuff uh, might eventually go the way of how the Westerns kind of died out. And I was just reading something the other day about um, uh, organized crime movies, mafia movies and things like that, and that they had have or had kind of died off here recently because i got the same feeling with those as i have with uh some of these uh special forces action movies where um you know you had uh the godfather one and two and then you know like goodfellas and casino and things like that later on um but in between, you know, it's just mafia movie, mafia movies with, uh, you know, the uh, the Italian mafia movies. And then you had like uh, uh, the Yakuza movies and everything. Mafia, 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 organized crime movies. And um, sort of the same way the Westerns went. And it got to, uh, you know, even like Scorsese, uh, you know, he made great movies and everything. But they, they have almost become, his have almost become like... Uh, I mean, he's an auteur and everything, but it's like Ric Flair in wrestling. You know, he's great, he's great, he's great, but then after a while, when he gets uh, to a certain age, he starts repeating himself and starts... you know, doing the same old routine like Scorsese with the different music that he plays, you know, whether it's, you know, Rolling Stones and you can almost predict, uh, you know, he's got these movies and he plays these certain rock songs that he loves that are, and, and Tarantino does the same thing. You know, he plays these songs and it's become, his movies have become sort of, sort of like that too. You know, I guess you're doing the same thing and it's being the same director That's one thing that would be interesting. An interesting question is uh, uh, directors that didn't get stuck in the same formula that constantly reinvented uh, themselves and reinvented uh, didn't didn't stick with the same with a with us specific formula it's like spike lee when you see that uh trolley shot where somebody something happens to somebody and they're standing there and they're like oh shit and they're just like looking off like they're almost in shock and everything's moving around them and the actor's basically standing on a trolley and they're being pulled forward which you don't see the trolley and everything but i've seen that in in several of uh, spike lee's movies and it's a it's a cool trick but you know you've seen it once you know did orson wells do the same crane shot you know, in fucking every movie that he did that he did in the uh, fucking Charlton Heston uh, goddamn fucking uh, Mexican border movie. My, like I said, you know, it used to be when we did Sylvan Gold, I could fucking remember every goddamn fucking movie that came to my mind, every actor and everything. But now it's like, you know, I'm getting a little bit older. So for some reason, you know, I guess maybe that's what it is. I can't. What's that? It's a. Uh, so clever baby monkey Mom Moo and Tiny Junior uh, standing take fruit in the fridge and eats it himself. I watch these little monkeys on uh, on uh, Facebook, and they're so fucking funny to watch. They're just like little kids. And the woman that takes care of them, she really... She tries, she like makes them, as we used to say, makes them mind. Like if she's cutting up fruit or fixing up uh, fruit or some kind of food for them to put on a plate and they reach over and try and take it, she'll push their hand away and make them sit there and wait until she's ready and everything. So it's kind of cool. I just accidentally must have hit that and, uh, uh baby monkey mom ma moo and tiny junior tiny junior is the younger of the of the two and uh it's just funny fucking as hell watching them i love watching those fucking monkeys but like i said sometimes i can't remember some of the shit that i'm trying to think of uh and you know whatever bear with me uh that was orson wells orson welles but like I said, you know, just trying different things, you know, that instead of doing the same Dutch angle or whatever that you used and, you know, the same neon lights and the same thing like that with Ryan Gosling over and over and over, uh, but, 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 touch of evil. Yeah. Okay. And I just, uh, uh, watched, um, lady from Shanghai, um, uh, not that long ago. It is on, God, is that on YouTube? I think maybe, uh, I love those Orson Welles movies. Um, they're so good, you know. Um because he did take chances i mean even making charlton heston a fucking mexican cop uh dying uh, you know having rita hayworth uh you know cut all her hair off and dying it blonde and everything uh mr Arkaden uh you know talk about dutch angles and everything there's so many different camera angles and shots and just weird stuff you know um but maybe orson wells did get to uh to a point where he was uh I don't know i've watched a lot of his movies and i i enjoy all of them i I enjoy the cinematography the acting and everything in them um but he got to where he i don't know if it was because he was hard to work with or he was such a pain in the ass and that um he you know and of course he needed money and stuff so he just started doing acting roles and things like that you know one thing that um, just off the top of my head like i said uh, uh i can't remember shit but then you know stuff flies in there and stuff that i remember um the movie that came out uh the orson wells what was it called oh shit i don't want to see acting i want to see directing um not someone to love yeah anybody find me somebody to love um there was a movie it was the last movie that he directed and it came out and they put it on i think netflix Uh, what was that? And it had, uh, John Huston, I think was basically kind of playing the Orson. He was playing Orson Orson Wells, but it wasn't, you know, his name wasn't Orson Wells. Uh, but it was a movie kind of based on when Orson Wells would try to get money together to make a movie. And then, um, I clicked director. Maybe I thought I did and I didn't. The other side of the wind, I think, is what that is. Let me look here real quick, make sure that's what I'm talking about uh hollywood director emerges from semi-exile with plans to complete uh work on innovative motion picture that's it and um it's basically kind of based on orson wells uh when he was trying to come back and and uh make a movie and everything john houston plays him which is good because john houston also is a you know great director and also was an actor and everything and podcast is really good um but something—the reason I brought that one up—you uh, know, of course, I was talking about Orson Welles. But one of the reasons that I brought that up was I um, saw a—it was on YouTube—and it was a documentary they were doing about the Black Dahlia murders. And they also had a podcast recently about that because this uh, Los Angeles. Cop, uh, retired Los Angeles cop, uh, had come out and said that he thought that his father, who was a uh, prominent physician in LA uh, back in the day, was the guy that killed the Black Dahlia and mutilated her body, uh, cut her face from, you know, the her mouth from, you know, the corners of her mouth back and cut the body in two, placed it in a certain position, you know, out in this, you know, was, at the time it was a field. Now it's a like a, a, a suburb. It'd be on like somebody's front lawn because they actually went there. And the guy was saying, well, here's where it was. Here's how she was positioned and everything. But it was actually like they were standing on the sidewalk right in front of these people's houses, and it was house, 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 house. house. But um, they made a movie with Chris Pine. Um, It was a miniseries, and I never finished it. It was on, I can't remember what channel it was on, which kind of followed along or was a sort of a fictionalized version of what this cop was talking about. His father, again, was a prominent physician in L.A., but he was kind of a really strange kind of a dude, and he was like very bohemian. And uh, it almost reminded me of when you um, hear or read about uh, Jack Parsons uh, when he had uh, he b- bought this uh, estate. He was the guy that was uh, this uh, helped or did uh, discover uh, solid rocket fuel and um, uh, at the um, oh uh, jet, uh, jet propulsion laboratory is a jet propulsion laboratory jpl or jpa but anyway and they would say you know they, they they should have called it jpa or jpl jack parsons laboratory or jack parsons whatever um but he's the one that discovered um solid rocket fuel and uh, which helped us go to the moon, helped us with our missiles and things like that that can go long range. Because when you used, uh, you know, liquid fuel, it would burn off too fast and blah, 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 blah. So he discovered solid rocket fuel uh, by they did all these experiments all the time. And they would go out and do these experiments, uh, shooting rockets up in the air, him and these other guys. And um, but Jack Parsons also uh, um, got involved uh, in the occult uh, he became fascinated with the occult and with uh Alistair Crowley and uh, uh the OTO and uh you know all this different stuff. But he bought this um he bought this like a, a big mansion um I think in Los Angeles and um basically what he did was he split it all up. Uh it was a place where only you know like one family lived but it was this, you know, big, you know, uh Kind of a like sort of a mansion, big mansion. Uh, It had. I I saw pictures of it. I don't know if I would call it. When you think of mansion, you know, you say you're thinking of like something in in England or in you know that's this this huge place. But it was a it was a giant, a great big house, and it had like a I don't know if it was ten stall garage or you know what. But it was it was good size. And he, but what he did was he divided it up into like apartments. And uh, he put an ad in the newspaper and the ad in the newspaper said something like, uh, you know, we're looking for uh, uh, occultists, uh, uh, musicians, Painters, artists in any way, uh, drug addicts. I can't remember what else. But one of the one of the qualifications was must uh, must not believe in God or must be an atheist or something like that. Um, so he got this this array of um, like I said, almost you know these bohemian, you know, uh, artistic, uh, free spirited people, and uh, to live there. And they would do uh, rituals, uh, you know, and all kinds of stuff, like almost like role playing and things like that. Um, But. And this is weird because, you know, it, it actually it's very interesting. And they and I think they made I don't know if they made like a little mini series, but it was on like some channel online channel that I don't get that you have to get the app and subscribe to or whatever about Jack Parsons. And I read something about it and some people said it wasn't really that good. There was some uh, there was a movie called The Prophet. Uh, which was almost banned, or maybe still, uh, you know, it was pulled because they spell "profit" not like you know a prophet who sees things in the future or whatever, or predicts things in the future, but spelled "profit," P-R-O-F-I-T, as in you know making money, and but it was kind of used in the way of you know a prophet that uh, like Nostradamus or whatever, uh, but it was spelled the other way. And um, that movie was based on L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, And at the beginning, you have uh, his association with Jack Parsons, Marjorie Cameron, Jack Parsons, at the Parsonage, which was the name of the place. Um, And um, there was a whole shitload of stuff in there about L. Ron Hubbard kind of being... Well, being a science. If you if you see um, the uh, master uh, with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix, it's sort of the same thing. But it was made back in the day, and Scientology fucking I think sued the shit out of the guy. He didn't use the correct names. He didn't say L. Ron Hubbard. It was just like uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman's character was another. Name, but you knew it was all Ron Hubbard, uh, and he didn't say Jack Parsons, he didn't say Marjorie Cameron or whoever else, uh, and he changed the names, but it was basically the same thing. So Scientology is litigious as they were, especially before the you know internet uh, got really big, and um, which has really fucked them up because now they they are not getting anybody new all this stuff's coming out uh going clear the book uh, the documentary the book and everything and not only that but you can get on youtube and just look up person after person after person that has left scientology uh getting on there leah remini or whoever not just her but other people get on there and talk about what it's really like you know what they did and there's people there they that have died in their you know when they punish people uh you know for doing whatever for being suppressive and all this shit but anyway um so that's a movie it was on youtube and it might be on there again now i'm not sure uh the prophet that was a that was a pretty good and pretty interesting but like i said back in the day before the internet if somebody would have made going clear or anything like that they probably would have sued the shit out of them just constantly over and over and over and would have uh, the person would have said okay fuck it i'll just you know shelve it i'll it'll never be seen again uh, but now they don't have the power that they did. I don't think. But anyway, I was talking about the parsonage and how those people went there and stayed and everything. But with the Black Dahlia, this L.A. cop, this retired L.A. cop, uh, whose father was a doctor, uh, he again said that he thought his father was the one that killed the Black Dahlia. Uh, this famous uh, closed, uh, or it was—it's an open case, but it was in the kind of the closed case files because it was so long ago. Um, But any murder is not really closed. Uh, You know, they just put a cold case. You know, they put it in the cold case file. But he started explaining, and um, they made a podcast about it, and uh, they talked about, you know, when I was listening to the podcast, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to find out about the Black Dahlia and everything, which you do, but the majority of it, and like the movie with Chris Pine, uh, the the miniseries, is about this... Retired cop, his doctor father, and their family, and they had almost like what I'll say again, like I call it, I'll call it the parsonage, just a, you know, reference to the Jack Parsons house where all the you know bohemian stuff was going on. That's kind of the way this doctor he had this big mansion-like house too, and that's the way it was there. He would have uh, all these. Uh, actors and directors from Hollywood, all these, you know, painters and musicians and people that doing drugs and uh, poets and, you know, this and that coming to and staying there or coming and he'd throw these lavish parties. Not, when I say lavish, I don't mean like, uh, uh it would almost, to me would sort of be like a cross between uh, a hippie, um, uh, commune mixed with like uh the eyes wide shut thing where there's all these famous rich people coming there uh and hanging out and getting drunk and doing drugs listening to music talking and socializing and everything but there was also like a dark underbelly kind of a thing too not dark underbelly because there was a lot of sex going on there was a lot of you know whether it was gay sex or orgies or um uh, things like that but with willing participants but the dark underbelly of the whole thing was that this doctor who again was the father of this retired LA cop uh was fucked up uh and he almost made himself like a godlike figure to his family for sure uh and to a lot of other people in that group, sort of almost like a mansonish like uh, controlling thing, probably like a a uh, overt narcissist personality controlling these people and also controlling um, a lot of the people, including the cops, or judges and things like that to where they would get him out of. It's almost like when you talk about like Jeffrey Epstein these days, you know, how come he wasn't arrested? How come? Well, you know, he had these, famous politicians or powerful people whether it's judges or like i said politicians or you know presidents ex-presidents uh whoever going down to his island and so if he started getting into trouble you know he might have uh, a friendship with somebody who could you know squelch it for him he also had the money to do it uh but also uh might have a good bit of blackmail material where he could say, you know, if they fucking take me down, you know, I've got all these fucking films of, you know, all these parties like Hugh Hefner. They said he had this vault full of all these, you know, uh, whether it was videos or film or whatever, of all these famous people that would come to Hef's mansion and they would get in the grotto or they'd have orgies and they'd be doing drugs and, you know, having threesomes and uh, uh, gay sex or bisexual sex or whatever and they would be filmed and hefner said that this stuff would never get out i think he told his i don't know if it was his daughter who it was he said you know they he showed some you know people that this vault um, that was sealed up and everything and he said you know they said oh my god you could you know how much money you could make off of uh you know letting this stuff out and he said i'll i'll never let it out His thing was, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas kind of a thing. Well, what happened at the mansion? You know, he said the reason that people came there is because they trusted him. Now, that's the kind of thing that like if the CIA or some or, you know, FBI under J. Edgar Hoover or whoever um, had control of Hefner for some reason, say they found out he was doing something or Jeffrey Epstein, you know, uh, that they could. Have them put cameras up and this and that. It's like the uh, El Royale movie where you know the the motel hotel or whatever had cameras in the rooms behind the mirrors and everything. And so you know, say they have JFK screwing Marilyn Monroe and them killing Marilyn Monroe or whoever. You know, then the uh, same thing with Putin in. Um, russia in the hotels and stuff over there or in israel or wherever in england you know if they have something like that set up whorehouses is out in las vegas you know uh with the mk ultra and all that shit um they have this stuff set up so that they get these people on tape and say they have him fucking a little kid or they have him fucking uh, in The Godfather where they had the senator supposedly uh, killed, they they drugged him, they killed this girl, they slit her fucking throat, uh, who's a hooker. He wakes up, he thinks, oh my God, I killed this girl, you know, and they come, you know, Michael Corleone or whoever comes in and says, you know, I could take care of this for you, but you'll owe me. That's, you know, sort of the thing. So anyway, the doctor, the dark side of the whole thing was he was so fucking... Uh, narcissistic and into himself that he thought that he could do anything that he was screwing his own daughters at least one of them or more than one he's screwing all these women uh, but he was it was almost like a cult and he was fucking his own daughter Uh, They raised her up to believe that that was okay, And uh, they even had these other women there and they said, oh, you know, she was a virgin. You know, you have to go to your father. They would show her what to do and say this is he's such an important man. You know, this is this is uh, the greatest thing that that you could ever do and everything. So he's having this incest with uh, his daughter. I think I don't know if there was more than one daughter. I can't remember. I think. Um, and it's just, you know, really gross shit like that. Now the one daughter, um, this is like a Hollywood thing, Hollywood and music thing. The one daughter that he was having sex with was friends with Michelle Phillips from the mamas and papas who, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) who was also married to Dennis Hopper for like, you know, what two or three days or something like that. Um, or not even that maybe. But anyway, Michelle Phillips, uh, when she was young, um, was friends with this girl, and she would hang out at that house. And I think that the girl had told her what was going on and what happened. But she did never. She never said anything. And Michelle Phillips even said, "She goes, you know, I saw, you know, the father at one time, and he looked at me like, you know, he knew that she had told her." And that he, and he, she, Michelle Phillips said, he looked at me like, you know, he wanted to kill me. So anyway, the reason I brought this up is, uh, when I was talking about John Houston and the, uh, Orson Welles movie, you know, I've seen John Houston in lots of movies, including, uh, the one that, uh, will and Sammy and Todd just reviewed on uh gentleman's guide, which is winter kills with Jeff Bridges to Shira Richard Boone, whole bunch of people in that that were famous. And, um, John Huston played Jeff Bridges' dad. It's basically the Kennedys, and he's basically playing Joe Kennedy. Uh, But the one thing that the person said in that movie about the or the documentary about the Black Dahlia was uh, that John Huston, one of the famous people that would hang out at that that uh, their dad's like mansion uh, where they would have all this debauchery and stuff, was John Huston. And uh, apparently the girl, they had the girl on there, the one that that was having the incestuous stuff with the dad. And she said that she was, God, uh, just a kid. I mean, she was like a kid. Uh, I can't remember if she was even like uh, maybe like, say, 10 years old, 11 years old or something like that. I can't remember how old, but very young. And uh, they were having this big party and everything. And John Houston was trying to basically rape her. I was gonna say have sex but i think she even said he was you know he would have raped me but her mother came in and said john what are you doing stop that or something you know and didn't didn't let him do it but not in a way like you would do if you saw some guy trying to rape your daughter where you would go in and be screaming and fucking kick you know kicking him out and saying you motherfucker but she was like oh you know come here you know stop that or whatever you know like it was nothing and just went into another room and started partying or whatever so anyway it's that that really that's one of those things that kind of you know now i watch john houston and i'm thinking what a you know it, it sort of reminds me of when he was in chinatown and he played faye dunaway's father and i'm watching that and they have you know if you've seen chinatown the the uh tangled family thing there uh, and at the end where Faye Dunaway's there and Faye Dunaway's there with her daughter and John Houston's there and you know I don't want to s- I know everybody's probably listening to the scene Chinatown but in case you haven't but then I'm like God John Houston that's kind of a weird thing that maybe he could draw from. But not only that, if he was that fucking fucked up to try and, you know, you hear about like Roman Polanski or whoever and, you know, to to if you see a girl and she's like fucking 10 years old and you're trying to fucking have sex with her at a party or something, that means you have something in you that, and then I think of Angelica Houston and her, you know, I, I mean, I'm not no accusations or anything like that, but it's just so weird and Hollywood, uh, like you think about like, uh, Ryan O'Neill taking Tatum O'Neill to fucking Studio 54 when she was a little kid or Drew Barrymore, you know, Jade Barrymore, her mother, taking her to Studio 54 and taking her to these parties and stuff like that when they're little kids and they're around these people that that have no morals or that uh, are predators, but also, you know, it's just so fucked up that the, some of these people are so narcissistic that they think, you know, I'm an artist, you know, uh, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's like a hippie culture thing, man. You should be able to do whatever you want uh, love whoever you want. It's a free expression of love. Sex is just, you know, about love. I'll teach you and everything. It's like, no, you're a fucking pedophile and a piece of shit. But anyway, I got off on a tangent there from Navy seals to all kinds of stuff, information there. Um, Again, I I have like three things to talk about and I'm a fucking hour in and I haven't talked about one fucking movie. Yet. But anyway, let's talk about this Navy Seals movie. And this this isn't going to be like I said anything long. This is like a bonus deal here and uh, as far as the movie goes but i again uh, orson welles i i just can watch his movies and uh, uh, i like him as an actor too uh, especially in the movies that he was directing himself now you get off into some of the other stuff um you know like when he was a magnum pi and (laughs) some of the stuff like that i mean he he was a competent actor but i would much rather see him in the thing in the projects that he did himself uh because it's just um especially before he really let himself go and became like a drunk and and got so heavy you know um but navy seals let's get back over here to the navy Okay, again, when I first saw this, I I really thought it was kind of – I didn't think it was very good, and I think it was because I was comparing it to, say, like – uh rambo and comparing it to top especially top gun because i really did like top gun i saw it several times in the theater when it first came out because we were just like oh man it's so fucking cool you know tom cruise was so fucking cool and he's riding a motorcycle and i feel the need the need for speed and it definitely was uh, a propaganda movie uh for sure but also um it was just done in such a cool way. I remember Bobcat Goldthwaite saying, you know, everybody uh, that's went and saw top gun, you know, it, they, it, they were like, Oh man, it's so cool. I'm going to go fucking join the Navy, you know, or, and, uh, and uh, become a fucking fighter pilot like Tom Cruise. And he says, you know, you go and join the, go to the recruiter's office, yeah, I'm going to be like Tom Cruise, you know, fucking top gun, Woo, Iceman, Maverick and everything. And he says, and then you go and you join up and the next thing you know, you're hanging from the side of a ship with a barnacle scraper going (laughs) scraping barnacle off the side of a ship and you know you see a a a woman sailor and you're like she doesn't look like that movie is so fucking good it was so cool you know because you know you're younger and everything but i watched the, the navy seals this time and um i actually enjoyed it i thought you know for what it was uh i thought it was it was pretty good. Uh, it is a product. Like I said, it's 1990. Uh, so it's a product of the time and everything where they are doing, you know, the it, it, uh, kind of this is also sort of, you know, a propaganda, you know, kind of a, a movie where they're making it look cool. And, you know, I'm sure people would go and join up. There was an actual guy who was an advisor on this movie. And they said after he made this movie, he was in the military. And I can't remember what branch he was in or whatever. But he was some kind of an advisor. And uh, they said after they made this movie, he actually went and joined or actually signed up to try out for the teams, you know, the Navy SEALs, uh, and became a Navy SEAL. Um, But you have a pretty good cast here. Of course, Charlie Sheen uh, was at this time still uh, like a, a, a top up-and-coming, or not up-and-coming, I guess sort of up-and-coming, because, you know, he made Platoon and Wall Street, and those two movies right there were two huge, giant hits. And, of course, he was the son of Martin Sheen, but still, he hadn't really been in that much. He was in, you know, uh, I think, The Wraith, and uh he was in ferris bueller's day off had a, just like a little small role there were, and then there was a uh, one with him and uh matthew caulfield i think the boys next door where they were like uh sort of a serial killer kind of a deal matthew caulfield and charlie sheen were good buddies uh and they lived out out west in the uh like you know the the Corn Belt or whatever, and Matthew Caulfield almost became like a uh, Charles Starkweather kind of a spree killer kind of a guy. If I remember, I haven't seen that one in so long. You know, I'm just going off the top of my head. But Charlie Sheen was a really big thing, up and coming, good looking guy. Had that fucking black headed fucking hair kind of a pompadour and everything fairly good actor and and uh he also made that you know hot shots and hot shots part duh and everything uh and then of course he got so into himself as far as uh so much of his bullshit you know fame t- almost too much too soon kind of a deal and we all know about the tiger blood and you know dating ginger lynn and um uh, you know just doing all the drugs and then the the hiv aids or whatever and all the scandal uh, uh after and he just looked like total shit now when he was on that uh was it was that two and a half men uh, when he was on that show he still looked pretty good. Uh he started getting real skinny and he he must have been losing his hair to to a point and he started combing cuz when he was young and he had that kind of slicked back uh black hair, he looked it looked his hair looked really cool. But then in like in this movie he looks pretty cool. But then when he um when he started getting a little bit older, I think he may have had some hair transplants and stuff and he started kind of like trying to comb it to where it would hang down. Howard Stern does that too. And I think he might wear a hair system. He may have had um, hair transplants because a lot of guys, the guys on the Howard Stern show had that because um, they had some sponsors that were like a hair uh, transplant uh, place. And there was one place that was a sponsor that was doing that. And they gave free transplants to uh, several, I think, Billy West and I'm trying to think who the other guys were. Uh, Chauncey Hayden, who had that uh, magazine stepping out that was on Howard Stern all the time. Uh, Billy West, Chauncey Hayden, and there was somebody else. And these guys fucked their hair up really bad. They they said that 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 company, whoever it was that did it, uh, ended up getting sued because they taught, they actually said they taught the... Uh, sanitation guys the the trash men or maybe the janitors or something in the building how to do the uh, transplants and so that i don't know if it was like some kind of scam or what the the guy that could do it and knew how to do it uh he actually told these guys hey man if you want to make some money i can show you how to do this and so when they would make appointments it wouldn't even be like this doctor. He might. I think he might have come in and did the um, the cutting and the stitching up on the back of the head. But but then uh, instead of having nurses put the, each little follicle in, they make little uh, poke holes and they put each little follicle in there, uh, which looks like a little piece of rice, I guess. Um, they Had told these sanitation guys or or janitors or whatever, you know, if you guys want to make some extra money uh, and instead of having to pay a nurse, he would pay these guys under the table and they would come in and they the guys thought like it was a nurse or something doing it. And it was these guys that were not even nurses. And uh, they fucked these guys' hair, like Billy West and, like I said, Chauncey Hayden. They they, they really fucked it up. I think uh, Brad Davis, the actor Brad Davis that was in Midnight Express, I read in the book that his wife put out, he started going bald, and he went and had that done, and they fucked it up really bad. Uh, the hair wasn't... Uh, laying to the the way that it normally would it was going like all over the place like some of it would go to the left some of it would go to the right some of it would go forward back and right and it was just a mess and he had to have all these he had to have these um they said it was like paint these painful operations to try and fix it And I think that's what Billy West... That's one of the reasons that uh, he left the Howard Stern Show. And he was one of the funniest fuckers on there. And then he went on to do, like, Ren and Stempy. And, you know, he was really successful after he left. Uh, But Charlie Sheen, uh, you know, in this, he still, you know, was fairly young. And he hadn't fucked his life up yet. Um, And then uh, Michael Bean is in this. uh, Who, I again, he's another guy... I, uh, you know, of course, uh, thought he was really good as Johnny Ringo in Tombstone. Uh, he was in The Abyss. He was in uh, Aliens. Uh, he was also in The Terminator. Um, and and, and uh, what was that Friedkin movie about the uh, serial killer that they, it was based on a true story. And the serial killer w- uh, went in this house and killed like a whole family and a couple of different times. And then he went on trial. It was Friedkin's movie about the death penalty whether the death penalty was good or not. Michael Bean actually played the uh, lawyer. Uh, I can't remember if he was the defense lawyer or if he was the prosecutor. I have that on VHS. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, Joanne Wally is in this. Uh, she's the love interest, and she was also married to Val Kilmer at one time. Joanne Wally Kilmer. Uh, Rick Rossovich, who was in Top Gun, uh, and let's see, Cyril O'Reilly, I wanted to look him up, because he looks very familiar, killer in a movie, but what was he, na- oh, he was in Porky's, that's what, I knew I knew him from somewhere, I kept seeing his face, and I was like, I know that motherfucker from somewhere, he was the guy in Porky's that, you know, they were all friends, but they were all kind of like, you know, high school guys, and he was the guy that, I think he rode a motorcycle and had a uh, black leather jacket, but he was still friends with the guys, but he was, he was sort of like in uh, Richard, in, in the movie Diner, they were all like uh, high school buddies or college buddies and everything. They were all friends, but Mickey Rourke was sort of the friend that was the cool guy. And uh, they're all wearing like Letterman jackets and stuff like that. And uh, this guy was wearing like uh, black leather and had the greasy ducktail and everything. What else was he? And he kind of fell off the planet Earth, I think. But that's what I remember him from. Let me see. I when I was watching this, I was wanting to look him up. He was in airplane. Uh, They remade Splendor in the Grass as a TV movie, and he played the uh, Warren Beatty part. Uh, Porky's, he played Tim. He was on MASH. Lots of TV stuff. Purple Hearts, I think that was Ken Wall and uh, Cheryl Ladd. That was a, a Vietnam movie uh, where um they were in a uh, almost like a MASH unit, a field hospital or something like that, Uh, in Vietnam and that kind of had like a Navy seal thing or special forces thing because Ken wall was, I think a doctor and, uh, he ended up going on a mission, uh, as like the, um, the, uh, medic medical guy in this unit. And Cheryl Ladd looked really good in that. Uh, let's see. St. Elsewhere. Lots of TV stuff so that's where he went uh he was on 90210 as frank padilla uh i'm trying to think i just wanted to see if there was anything but that's it looks like that's what kind of him he just kind of got into a lot of tv stuff blood fist uh seven manhunt i don't know what that is walker texas ranger nothing uh nothing that jumps out like that he suddenly you know was made a comeback in film he was all just a lot of tv stuff so that's where i know him from i was wanting to look that up let's go back we also have okay we also have bill paxton so we have michael bean rick Rossovich, and bill paxton in a a uh, reunion from terminator the original terminator but all three of those were in the original terminator Rick Rosevich, uh, who was the brother of Tim Rossovich, who was a Philadelphia Eagle and San Diego Charger football player that you've seen in probably a lot of TV shows. Rick Rossovich was, of course, his brother. And he played the guy in Terminator who was the boyfriend of Bess Mota, or Mata, the uh, 20-minute workout chick who was the roommate of Linda Hamilton and uh bill paxton of course was in terminator he was the guy that arnold the punk that arnold uh whooped up on uh at the beginning when he showed up naked uh who else is in this anybody that i know that's about it but that's the team uh there's who let's see what was there was a couple other guys but uh they weren't really anybody that i knew i don't think um so anyway you have this Navy SEALs team and uh, they said that the, the missions that they have in the movie are based, were based on some real life missions. And, um, um, but basically what it is, is these guys are kind of like thrill seeking, you know, Navy SEALs and uh, Charlie Sheen is the biggest. Uh, he is a uh, adrenaline junkie, kind of a thrill seeking kind of a guy. Uh, and, They wanted to have, I think, a touch football game with the team uh, in the movie. And Bill Paxton said, nah, he said this, he goes, that's going to be too much like uh, the volleyball scene from Top Gun. So he suggested that they would uh, uh, have a scene like that, but it would be like the guys playing golf. And so they're playing golf, and of course, since they're thrill seekers and they're getting drunk and partying and stuff, they're out there in the golf carts acting stupid and kind of uh, you know running their golf carts into each other and hitting the ball. You know, in the golf cart, driving up to the ball and hitting it with on the move in the golf cart with the with the uh, club like they're like polo, and the cart going in the rolling over and going in the fucking lake and all this shit, water hazard or whatever. Um but the thing that kind of comes out of the whole thing there's a uh, a bunch of stinger missiles that get uh lost or stolen and they're trying to find them and they go on different missions trying to uh you know basically show what they can do and of course just like a lot of these movies, like I was saying, when, when you look at the trivia stuff, um, a lot of it has to do with like in the movie platoon where they said, you know, all they uh, Arlie Ermey took, uh, you know, all the guys out and, and they had like a two week, uh, survival course out in the, out in the jungle or whatever. Uh, and he taught him how to act like, a uh, infantry, you know, Marines or whatever army or Marines. Uh, and it's the same thing with this one. They had some, you know, military advisors that, uh, did like a two week course and showed these guys how to uh, you know, move as a team and how to, how they should hold their guns and how they should act and everything, how to communicate uh, without, you know, talking and what they, what, how they would just basically act. Uh, and uh, the one of the trivia things that they said was Michael Bean said this was like one of the worst movie experiences he ever had was making this movie. Uh, then it said something later on where he said it was just really hard because of the training. but when somebody says this was the the this was the worst, experience i ever had making a movie that doesn't sound like it was from you know having to train uh to look like a real navy seal that sounds like there was something else going on there but uh, as i was talking about uh, charlie sheen and how he got real skinny and you know just kind of started looking like shit the last thing i saw michael bean in was a um, A serial killer movie that he actually wrote and directed himself. And I think his wife, who looks like a uh, middle-aged ex-stripper with uh, like the bleach blonde hair and big fake boobs, I think she is in that. And he looked really bad. He looks really super skinny like and I saw some interviews with him where he talked so fast and he had like really wild eyes and he was talking so fast. I was like, is this guy fucking tweaking on fucking crystal meth or something? Uh, I saw him at Horror Hound after I saw that movie and at his uh, booth. They actually like the whole banner and everything was for that movie. And he did look, he looked, he looks really super skinny. Like he's a a fucking drug addict. Um, but they set up everything. Like I said, going on the missions and things like that. And, uh, you see how they, you know, move and, and it's got some fairly decent action in it as far as that goes, especially later on toward the end of the movie when they get, when they go to Beirut. Uh, but, The basic thing is they show the camaraderie between the guys and they're partying, they're going and drinking beer and stuff like that. But they set up the thing that Charlie Sheen basically, like I said, is he is in it. uh, He he is really an adrenaline junkie. And uh, Michael Bean is the leader of the team. And they kind of have a little bit of a rivalry. They're they're friends, though, but they have a little bit of a rivalry. And Joanne Wally Kilmer kind of comes into that whole situation where she's like a government, uh, somebody government, something that has like intelligence or something. And her and Michael Bean kind of start, Liking each other. He's meeting with her and he takes her out to dinner and everything. Charlie Sheen, of course, they have like this bro thing, you know, it's like cock blocking. Uh, uh, Charlie Sheen kind of sets up something where he kind of like cock blocks him and everything. But basically, what happens is Charlie Sheen, you know, Michael Bean uh, tells him it's almost like the movie SWAT where uh, Colin Farrell and uh, Jeremy Renner's on the same SWAT team and they go into a place where there's hostages. And. Jeremy Renner is the kind of guy that will take the chances uh, and there's two, but it'll work out for him because he'll kill the guy and the hostage is saved. And then later on, after he does that a couple times and they're like, God damn it, I told you not. Well, Yeah, but, yeah, but check it out, how it worked out. Woo-hoo! But then like say maybe then after they set that up, that whole situation and how it's going to be that he does it one too many times and the hostage gets killed and then he feels like shit and they kick him off the team. or whatever. So it's sort of something like that kind of going on where uh, Michael Bean actually ends up having to tell Charlie Sheen hey fucker you know uh, he's told him over and over and over you're taking too many chances you're doing shit you're you're putting the team in jeopardy blah 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 and so it kind of goes along like that which is it's kind of a you know cool storyline to follow along the movie's not that long it's only about an hour and a half long but um, like I said you got some good action Uh, I like the cast, uh, uh, the guys on the team. Like I said, you have you have about four four or five kind of guys that you've seen before and everything. It's not a great movie. It it, on uh, IMDb it only rates like average, like or a little just a little bit above average, five point six. I think it was a little bit better than that. But like I said, the first time I saw it, I hated it. I was like, this is stupid. They're just trying to make Top Gun. You know, like a Top Gun movie. It was so obvious. But this time, I you know kind of just went with it and uh, and I actually kind of enjoyed it a lot more. Burp, burp. Dig it. Okay, let's see where we're sitting on time. Got about a half hour to go. Let's talk about another movie. Ooh. Baby, baby. Ooh. Okay, I watched uh, Dioboli, dioblique. <laughs> dioblique Uh From 1955. I finally caught up to this one. Uh, it is on... Uh, I think it's on YouTube, but it is also on Prime, I believe. Um, of course, it's subtitled and everything. Uh, this is our, uh, a, a uh, you know classic movie. I had never seen it before. I know that they made a uh, remake of it. I want to look that one up because I might watch it. I, I'm sure it will. It'll suck to watch it. Uh, because it's going to be probably the cocksucker. (laughs) Okay. I've said this a million times, uh, since I started restarted redoing the podcast and I'm going to get a new computer. honestly, after the last podcast, the one I did with Sorbo, uh, I actually got on Amazon and started looking and I didn't pull the trigger on anything. Uh, but, uh, I'm definitely looking because every time when I get done recording and, um, and I hit like pause or whatever on my uh, recording app, the goddamn thing fucking locks up and I think I'm going to lose everything and I just have to wait and wait and wait and then finally control, alt, delete and bring up the task manager and then that doesn't do anything. Sometimes if I let it sit for a long time, it'll work its way out. But, uh, eventually I have to click the X up in the corner and then it'll actually say, if you close this, you'll lose your, you, you know, you may lose all your stuff and everything, but that gets it out of the, the fucking loop or whatever the fuck it's in. Okay. Let's see the, ori- or the, uh, well, let's, let's talk about the original first and then I'll go over to the other one. Um, I thought this was really good. This was directed by Henri, uh, Georges uh, Clouzot, and uh written by Pierre Boulot uh Boulot and uh, Thomas Norjach <laughs> it stars uh Simone uh, Sign- <laughs> C- <laughs> C- 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 who I love I've seen her in like uh, lots of things uh she's really good uh Vera Clouzot uh who I don't know how she is she is she has to be related to uh uh Henri Georges Clouseau uh and uh Paul Maurice. Um but anyway, great cast. Um I didn't I kind of just had a sort of a uh idea, a, a, a basic idea of what this was about, that, uh, there was a guy who's the husband of one of these two women and he's really abusive and they decide that they are going to do him in, uh, to get, uh, the wife out of this horrible abusive relationship. Uh, but that's all I knew of the whole thing and uh, I just and again I knew I that this was a classic I think it is a um, um criterion yeah criterion movie uh, there there's lots of criterion movies that were on YouTube uh, the real, the older classic movies uh I'm trying to think of some other ones that I saw in there but the, but I've I've seen full movie and they're you know look really good and everything you know a good uh Uh, um, copy of them Um, so you can look for some of them on on YouTube and then you don't have to get the Criterion Channel, which still you know that's a good it would be a good channel to get. I'm just not I'm just not gonna. That's the one thing it sucks. Uh, I I got Disney Channel just so I could watch WandaVision. and because uh, you know a lot of the stuff that's already on there I've already seen like uh, the uh, the Marvel movies. Of course they're going to have the Marvel. Uh, that's going to be the place to go for all the Marvel movies and the more uh, new Marvel movies and Marvel series. And uh, I'm sure they're going to do other stuff too. So I might keep it. But like I, I watched WandaVision and now I'm like, man, do I really want to keep that? Because, oh, and uh, uh, they have um, the Mandalorian is on there. And I've watched, again, like I said in the last episode, you know, uh, several, uh, about three um, uh, episodes of that. Uh, and I need to get back to that. There's so much stuff that I forget uh, that I that I have or I, I you know. Anyway, so Um uh, uh, basically this guy is a piece of shit. <laughs> and him and his wife run a school that's kind of like a boarding house school. It's uh, Michel De la Salle, and that's the husband. And he is also the principal of the school for boys. And uh, they have a, um, well... I think the, the the I was gonna say a restaurant, but I think that's more like just like the cafeteria uh at the school. And uh the school is actually owned, it was left to his wife, who is Christina de la Salle. And um he has a mistress, he has several mistresses, I guess. Uh and um Simone uh Signore <laughs> she was in what was the 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 movies that i liked her in were um uh the one about the uh, world war ii the french resistance which was army of shadows i really liked her in that uh deadly affair that was a jean lacarré movie where it basically is a george smiley movie it's george smiley in the book but they changed the name and it's um um what's his face uh, oh god damn it James Mason is he's playing the part of George Smiley but they changed his name to Charles Dobbs that's a good movie if you guys haven't seen um, uh, The Deadly Affair uh, from in, uh, it's 1967 The Deadly Affair uh, is directed by Sidney Lamette, too so that's something you want to check out it stars uh, James Mason Maximilian Schell uh, Harry Andrews is also in that Roy Kinnear uh lynn redgrave uh what's the guy that played uh, um, he played uh the bad guy in spy who came in from the cold munt uh, oh shit i'm never gonna find it now and i don't want to get too far off into this because i got the other shit to talk about uh but i, lo- I love her she's a great actress uh just awesome uh, was there anything else that I saw? her? I know that she popped up in like several things that I've watched and I'm like, oh, shit, there she is again. Uh, but anyway, let's get out of that. Um, she's really good. She plays. Uh, she is the husband's mistress at one time. And then uh, things go awry there. And um, she knows what a fucking bastard he is. So she meets up with the uh, the wife. And obviously she knows what a bastard he is. And they start uh, talking and become friends. And uh, that's one thing I was wondering in this. Of course, it's a French movie. So they're going to go a little bit further, especially for the time, uh, than um, other, you know, say like an American. Well, now I, I would say that they're in in American movies and say like 1955. They might have um, a. A. M- A relationship that could be if you if you they would bury it far enough under that they would be friends but um, if you were in the know at the time or if you read into or uh, things uh, you might find that or or say read the uh, the book that it's based on or something like that that the people uh, were gay lovers or lesbian lovers or there may be a um there was a uh, um oh um i'm trying to think what the movie was where the there were two sisters and i think they had had a a, a lesbian experience incestuous lesbian experience um that was and then they the 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 one they kind of ended up uh the one hated the other the old the young one ended up she she really hated the older one uh and the older one was like why do you hate me and everything and uh um but uh oh what the fuck um hang on (laughs) i gotta look something up um juggle i gotta i gotta bring up my google which will probably breathe too much shit for the computer. Um, It was... (laughs) musical interlude, walk like an interlude, walk like an Egyptian. Uh... And the more, the more I try and get it... Motherfucker, better still be fucking recording. <laughs> son of a bitch. Time to get a new computer. Plop some down and just get some fucking piece of shit. It doesn't have to be anything. I don't save anything on there. It doesn't have to be anything uh, elaborate. And then, you know, what gets me is like... And I've said this before a million times. Uh, as soon as I fucking start looking the son of a bitch up, I see who... The, well, I, 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 I think of what I'm looking for before I even see it. It was, a, a Ingmar Bergman movie. And I can't remember what the, is it the silence? Uh, I, I looked up, uh, Ingrid Bergman and Anastasia and Anastasia with, uh, Yul Brynner, which I love. Um, I think it's the silence. I have it right in there on my shelf. I can go pick it up in like two seconds. Um, um, yeah, you know, VHS. Uh, but what I was saying was, you know, like I said, I I, I didn't look this up. Uh, I I started looking up that Navy SEAL shit, and um, and I, it's like, okay, I'm not gonna look up all this trivia. But I wasn't sure if uh, the uh, mistress and the wife were en- were en- ended up supposedly being lovers. I think they were. The silence. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Ingrid Thulin is in that. I like her a lot too. She's really good, uh, beautiful lady. I liked her in that uh, Zandy's Bride with Gene Hackman, and there were some other stuff she was in. I again, I don't want to get off track here. Um, are on a night train journey back home. And again, I think that this was uh, what I'm. What I'm just trying to say is is. Uh, that a lot of times in foreign movies if there was say incest or if there is gay uh lesbian or even um, a um, menage a trois kind of a relationship in french movies or an in inti- especially in french movies but I think probably in Italian cinema, maybe German, I'm not sure. Uh, at, at the time, in the, in the uh, mid-50s, early 60s, uh, they were going to be more uh, freewheeling with the idea and putting it out there on screen. Whereas in America, uh, they would have the, a writer like, say, I don't know if it was like, oh, not Truman Capote, but... Uh, um, Oh, who was the guy that fucking always got in a fight with uh he was friends with the Kennedys. Uh Who's gay? Oh, God famous guy, and he always he was be on Dick Cavett and get in fights with uh not Jerry Oppenheimer that he had the famous debates with and buckley said that he would smash him in the goddamn face hello darkness my old friend i've come to talk with you again Completely why uh, he uh, put in the movie that uh, instead of them being just childhood friends, you know, they uh, Charlton Heston and uh, and uh, uh, the guy who plays Masala uh, fucking embrace and they look at each other like like you're like you are seeing an old lover that you had a passionate I mean, you were both so completely in love with each other that, and you haven't seen each other. And, 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 and then when you see each other and you embrace and you just look in each other's eyes and, and, and you're just like, Oh, and you're just flooded with all this emotion. And, uh, you know, things from the past and everything. That's how he had, you know, Charlton Heston, uh, and, uh, Masala look at each other. William F. Buckley. Yeah. I had a friend that uh, just loved William F. Buckley. Um, and he was like uh, just about how he talked, you know. He uh, and that's the one thing, William F. Buckley. If you uh, you know watch him speak, and you know you see the guy, uh, especially when he was younger and everything. He was a handsome guy, and he had this way of talk, you know this kind of like Ivy League. A sort of arrogant way of talking not arrogant but just the way he talked it, he had a, he had a certain tone and a vernacular and the way he spoke that uh he had a lot of charisma i think is what i'm trying to say and uh, but the thing is he was like an arch conservative and um um you know at one Point in his life you know very you know racist uh, person but but again like a kind of like an ivy league you know racist he wasn't like a uh some uh you know hick hillbilly uh in alabama or in uh, stone mountain georgia that's burning crosses on the lawn but he still had a certain i think uh white supremacist uh kind of attitude but it was from an elite Uh, he uh, uh uh attitude uh he would probably look down his his fucking proper nose at the same guys that were killing uh civil rights workers in and burying them you know uh but for the reason of um uh class he he he, it's like today where uh these rich uh uh, right wing uh fascist right wing assholes you know uh but if if you ask this those uh buckley and some of those guys to to uh have one of those uh have uh, uh several of those guys come up in their flannel shirt i thought it was done fucking really well uh it is um sort of a uh uh, it's a drama. It's a mystery. It's a crime movie, but it's also almost like a. Um, did I just lose everything? It doesn't matter because we're about right to finish up, but I did. See, everything crashed. I, I mean, I'm still recording, but my uh, Microsoft Edge, I had everything brought up on that, my IMDb and everything, and it all just fucking crashed. But um, I don't need it anyway. I just wanted to look up the new uh, Dio Uh But it. Still, it had some horror elements too. Um, as you're going as I was going along especially is it just built and built and built after they do first of all the husband or the principal uh, the abuser the abusive husband is such a piece of shit I mean even in public uh, uh, they're having dinner and there's all these people in this place and eating and it, even at their table it's him it's uh, his wife and these other his wife. I mean he doesn't hit her or anything at the table but like she's eating and uh she's like fish or something like that and she says something like she doesn't like fish uh and he makes her eat it he he browbeats her uh and dominates her into eating this fish that she doesn't like and she can barely swallow it and he's just like swallow it you're embarrassing me, like you know. You're embarrassing me. You swallow your fucking food, you know. And it's just so like, I mean, it's like, oh my god, I would want to. Fu- I, wa- I I'm just watching the movie and I want to kill this motherfucker. I'm. They cut to an, another scene, so you know something happened. And you know, I don't. You know, you don't. I don't know. You know, if there's uh, insinuating rape, but definitely abuse of some kind. Pro- you know, uh, uh, physical abuse. Uh, he hits her. You know, sometimes slaps her and stuff like that. Mental abuse, physical. abuse abuse just treats her like shit but again she's the one that owns the uh he that's why even though he's an abusive piece of shit uh he wants to stay with her and keep her around and dominate her because she's the one that actually has the money I mean, even if, uh, he did say he doesn't want to, uh, after something, if something happens to her, he doesn't want to, uh, run that school, uh, he could sell the building. He could sell all the property and everything and, or continue doing it. And, you know, but anyway, uh, I thought this was re- done really well. The two women together, uh, and what they're going through and then, um, they're scheming and planning and. And when uh, there's the, uh, uh, the event that happens and then it almost becomes like a psychological horror movie. And I really like that because I was on the edge of my seat myself, and I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on here? How are they going to pull this out? How, something, you know, what is, what's up with this? And there were parts of it that almost reminded me of Repulsion, where, of course, in Repulsion, you knew— that uh the the woman in that movie was coming undone it was you know she was losing her mind and but you sort of start feeling that type of thing in this and you're like holy shit you know what the fuck uh but again i really enjoyed this i'm glad i finally uh uh, you know marked this off of my um my, uh, wall of shame. Um, uh, this is uh, one of those ones. I was thinking about this, uh, yesterday when I was watching this, uh, you know, it's, of course it's all subtitled. And a lot of times when I'm watching a movie, uh, social media or whatever, YouTube and everything else, a lot of times if I'm watching uh, say a movie that I've seen before, um, or something that I can, you know, you don't have to, st- I I was watching. Uh, okay, now this is subtitled, so you had to pay attention to wa- to watch this, and and it. It drew me in so much that, and that I was uh, absorbed in the storyline. I wanted to see what was going on, but also the acting. I want, I wanted to, I uh, I liked watching and uh, the performances and everything. I wanted to pay attention. Uh, again, this is not the same type type of thing. It is in a way, but you know, I, I was watching um, that uh, anime um, series that I've been watching, and and uh, it's uh, just a shitload of action there's a lot of f- uh, funny stuff in it uh, outrageous uh, uh, like gore and action it's the same with the the, um, the berserk movies the animated berserk movies uh, the action is so good and uh, you know I I I, I D- didn't want to look down i wanted to pay attention to the screen so i guess maybe that also even almost says something about how good the movie is if the movie is really good uh, you want to put the goddamn ipad down and watch the fucking movie if the movie is something that's you know kind of average or like some i watched um I started watching, uh, it was a made for crap. Um, I can't even remember what it's called. I just, I, I, cause I didn't watch, I only watched like maybe 15 minutes of it and I switched over and started watching the Oblique. Um, but it wasn't very good. It had the guy again, somebody said something about, Oh, it's the guy that played the Hobbit or in the Hobbit movies. Um, he's in it and, uh, um, Danny Glover, you know, they're, they're not the main guys. There's a younger guy. That's like a special forces guy or something like that. But like I said, I could tell as soon as it started up, it it looked like it was done with a handheld, you know, uh, you know, video high def video camera or something like that. So I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of a low budget movie or whatever. Not that good. Um, But something like that, you know, God, I don't need, you know, I'm sitting there with my iPad looking, you know, I'll come across a YouTube video, pause the movie and start watching the YouTube video. you know, And uh, so anyway, um, those are the ones like i said i think i'm an hour and 45 in here and uh i just want to talk basically about those two movies uh the ones that i just watched i do want to click over here while i got like about 15 minutes left and uh and uh look at this uh remake uh again this movie uh Oblique uh or Les Dioblique uh i thought was excellent i really liked it it was uh, almost like a sort of like an Alfred Hitchcock movie, almost Uh, uh, there's one scene in it, or actually there's a couple of scenes in it uh, that I I, I knew from, I think somebody either making a comment about, Oh my God, that one scene, it just like my mom said when she saw Cape fear, the original Cape fear in the theater, when she was a kid uh, that when Robert Mitchum came up out of the water and, and uh, grabbed Gregory Peck in the like chokehold, she goes, Oh my God. She goes, I jumped. She goes, it scared the shit out of me. And there's a scene in this that is a, a famous scene. And I think I either, I think I just heard somebody say something about, Oh my God, uh, that such and such scene in this movie just fucking scared the shit out of me or creep me out or something like that. So, but, uh, I knew exactly what it was when I saw it. Cause I was like, God damn, that is a fucking good scene. Good shot. Um, okay, let's look and see the, um, remake here uh, i knew sharon stone was in this it's sharon stone isabel uh on a uh, johnny and chaz palminteri okay i uh, i i um i don't know what I, I think uh now is the movie with um oh um bound is bound like a remake of Dioblique The one with uh, big tits from Chucky Movie. (laughs) And uh, the chick with the mouth, uh, the sexy mouth. And uh, I think that was Joey Pants, wasn't it? Bound, bound. Bound for glory. Okay, bound. I wonder if that's a... No, that's not the one I wanted. That's got somebody else in it blackbird singing in the dead of night okay bound Da, 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 de, 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 de. Okay, yes, Joey Payne. I thought he was in the remake of Die oblique but I got a mixed up. Uh, that was Chaz. I think I saw this one a long time ago, one time, and the only reason I watched it was for the uh, hot lesbian stuff, and then I was like, you know, it's kind of like when you're watching a movie and you think, oh, you know, when you're younger, and you think, I'm going to watch this, this. These two chicks are, it's like Black Swan. I remember uh, uh, Large William telling me, oh, Mila Kunis and, uh, and uh, Natalie Portman, get it on in that movie and uh uh mila kunis has her mouth on natalie portman's fucking pussy and there's no way they could have faked that fake that and everything so like i gotta watch that but you know it, it of course that that was a good scene but you know it's not if you're gonna you know you well, just watch a fucking porno movie uh because if you're only seeing like a uh, like a not uh, 30 seconds in a in a movie that's way more complex the same thing with bound i think uh i don't remember that much about it but um uh, tough ex-con Corky, that is Gina Gershon, and her lover, Violet, that is big titty Jennifer Tilly, uh, can talk to Scheme to steal millions of stashed mob money and pin the blame on... Okay, so it's not the same story. I thought maybe it was that these two chicks, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but the remake is Sharon Stone, a Isabel, Isabel Johnny and Chaz Terry, a wife and mistress of a sadistic dean of an exclusive... Okay, I'm sure it's the exact same story. Um, the one thing I wanted to look up is, were they supposed to be lesbian lovers, or did they just bond... On the fact that they were with this. Both had been with this shithead. And he abused them. Dio Motherfucker. Dio. Dio. Bolique. Motherfucker. Oh shit. Partner. Bedazzled. You know I haven't seen the original Bedazzled with Raquel Welch. Uh, but I liked, uh, what's her name in, uh, I liked the remake with, uh, Fatso, Mummy Guy, who became Fatso, Mummy Guy, he wasn't fat then, um, Brendan Fraser. I liked him and I wish he would do some more stuff, he's in Doom Patrol, uh, well he's probably, you know, I guess more or less just the voice of the, uh, metal guy, iron guy or whatever, uh, let's see. I should be making noise. You know I'm tired of being lonesome. only and mean. Released in the United States, variously translated, Les D'oblique. Uh, released as D'oblique in the United States, variously translated, based on a novel... Uh, based on the novel, She Who Was No More, or Celle qui n'était plus, by Pierre Beaulieu, below. Okay, I don't know, uh, why can't I get an answer? <laughs> 31 period films of lesbian and bisexual lovers. Well, god damn it. Is this even worth looking up? I just uh thinking that they were, but I don't know. Let's see if there's anything okay, Olivia in 1951. Apparently that had some uh bi or lesbian women. The Bostonians. That's Vanessa Redgrave. And Desert Hearts. Who's in that? That chick looks familiar. I don't know. Uh, Color Purple I never saw that I, I should watch that I heard Whoopi Goldberg actually was really good in that And uh, Danny Glover But I haven't seen it I remember my sisters and my mom going to see that in the theater And saying it was really good uh, Waiting for the Moon 1987 Linda Hunt And Linda Bassett Fried Green Tomatoes I never, I've never seen that who is in that? Mary Louise Parker, Mary Stuart Masterson. I like her a lot. There's uh, some uh, Jessica Tandy, Kathy Bates. I haven't seen that one. There's a lot of them on here. I haven't seen even Cowgirls Get the Blues. I haven't seen that. I just know that uh, I think Uma Thurman had really big thumbs. Uh, it has Rain Phoenix, which I'm assuming she is related to Joaquin and River. Also has Keanu, Angie Dickinson, Pat Morita, Lorraine Bracco. John Hurt, Ed Begley Jr., Carol Kane, Victoria Williams, Sean Young, Chris... Okay, it's got like a whole bunch of people, probably just make little cameos. Sister, My Sister, from 1994. Heavenly Creatures, 1994. That's Kate Winslet. Uh, Amy and Jaguar, 1999. I don't know who that is or what that is. Uh, let's see, Tipping the Velvet, it's a BBC movie, I think, a lesbian novel, hmm. might have to look some of these up, Fingersmith from 2005, The World Unseen, 2007, Secret Diaries of Ann Lister, Reaching the Moon, I don't think I'm getting any closer to what I'm looking for, uh, Violet. 2014 Bessie 2015 The Girl King 2015 Carol I like that one a lot that's Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara I thought that was excellent uh Quiet Passion 2016 that looks like Holly Hunter but maybe it's not Cynthia Nixon she was in uh whatchamacallit Sex in the City The Handmaiden, I've heard of that, but I haven't seen it. 2016, that's Park Chan-wook. So that'd probably be pretty good to watch. I like Park Chan-wook. Battle of the Sexes, that's the one about uh, Billie Jean King playing Bobby Riggs in the uh, tennis uh, Battle of the Sexes. So that'd probably be pretty good. Lizzie from 2018, don't know that one. Colette from 2018, that has What's-Her-Face in it. I recognize her, Keira Knightley favorites 2018 let's get down here how much time do i have left to biatch i got five minutes i gotta find out if they were lesbian lovers <laughs> Beta and virginia 2019 oh motherfucker portrait of lady fire because i have to quit it uh, two hours or it won't uh upload correctly anything over that it seems like it fucking doesn't want to work Oh uh, lordy. Okay. Uh, God damn it. I went through that whole fucking list for no fucking reason. Some bitch. Maybe I missed something. Maybe it was obvious that they weren't or that they were. Okay. Let's see. Did you know? uh Johnny Holiday. Was he in that? Gabriella. Uh, when director Henri Georges Clouseau uh, bought the film rights to the original novel, he repeatedly beat Alfred Hitchcock for only by only a matter of hours. So it uh, you know, nice connection there with the Hitchcock. Uh uh playing the character incorrectly because she the actress knew the ending of the movie and thus was giving away too much to the audience with her characterization one day on the set clouseau angrily said i should have never let you read the end of the script well that sounded more german than it did franche the film gained notoriety five years later when Vera Cruz died suddenly of a heart attack at age 46. Jesus, her character. Oh yeah, that's true. In the movie, she. That is weird. Okay, in reality, Simone Signore did not know how to drive hence the reason why okay because she told her in the movie she goes you don't know how to drive but she really did not okay the film skips the lesbian relationship between the two women that exist in the novel see dr zom's not fucking stupid i may be a fucking country boy but i ain't dumb hey i found out fucking what i wanted to find out i just suspected you know that uh you know they were close <laughs> <laughs> oh, very close uh, what do you think of Sharon Stone let's hear some. I want to hear on the um, on the group uh, if anybody listens to this give me your um, give me your opinion of Sharon Stone as an actress is she a good actress is she a great actress is she a poor actress uh, do you think she's hot? Did you think she was you know, like hot when she was? You know, what's your favorite Sharon Stone movie? Um, or do you think that she kind of uh, got by on being a hot chick in and in, in a movie uh, in Basic Instinct, the movie that she was, you know, kind of blew her up, you know, huge uh, that she was. Just a chick that took a role that a lot of women wouldn't have taken because it was so risque and showed some nudity and sexual stuff that uh, a a lot of famous actresses probably wouldn't have done. Uh, Let me know what you think of Sharon Stone. I'm really curious. I was thinking about that today when we were walking on the trail. But I'm just at about two hours, so I'm going to go ahead and close up. This was, like I said, a bonus episode. These episodes come in bunches. Thanks, babies. <laughs>